Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 22 of Taking the Middle Seat, I'm interviewing Lauren Taylor. She is running for state representative in Michigan's 86th district. Now, if you're like me and you needed a map of the districts in Michigan to figure out what what the heck district you're in, don't worry, I've linked that map in the show notes. But no matter what district you live in, I want you to listen in to Lauren. She has been an artist and an entrepreneur for many years, and her road to running for public office is deeply personal. She's not what I would think of as a typical candidate, and thank goodness for that. I love hearing about a more non-traditional path, because those are the paths that always have lessons and truth that we can learn from. You'll hear her talk about the health issues that she deals with and how those health issues propelled her to want to advocate for herself and for others. Lauren is inclusive of everyone, and she means everyone. You'll hear me tell her that I think she has a superpower, and that superpower is finding common ground. She talks about a willingness to take the middle seat next to anyone and truly listen. And you guys, that is what she does. If you're not in her district or you're thinking, oh, really, Andrea, a political candidate, like enough already, I am telling you, I want you to stay tuned anyway. Lauren is a model for all of us as to how to find compassion and connection, even when it feels really, really difficult. And I admit, I am not always good at doing this. I realize I host a podcast called Taking the Middle Seat. But in this era that feels just like constant divisiveness everywhere, I struggle with this too, and Lauren taught me some things. You'll hear how she encourages us to find common ground no matter what, even when we think there couldn't possibly be any. She talks about going to the root of the issue, and she does it door after door. She just keeps going deeper. She keeps encouraging people to go to the root And constituent after constituent, she finds that common ground. You'll hear some incredible stories about conversations that started at one place and ended up in a much different place because she had the patience and the willingness to listen. She literally walks the walk every single day. I think you should follow Lauren on all the social media. And where do you think I've linked that? Well, in the show notes, of course. You'll find links to every single thing we talk about with a little sprinkle of my own commentary and a few little extra treasures that I throw in there every show. Show notes are like the dessert to this podcast meal. And who says no to dessert? Not me. Do you know people that say no to dessert? Sounds terrible. Bring on the show note Sunday. Although I'm actually not a sprinkles person. Do you like sprinkles? My husband likes sprinkles. I'm not a sprinkle gal. But I'm here for the Sunday, for sure. 
Okay, it's time to open your mind, listen, and take in my interview with Lauren Taylor, candidate for Michigan State Representative. So Lauren, welcome to Taking the Middle Seat. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this approach that you do with your podcast and find common ground with you too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So my friend told me about you and her story about you was that, so you're running for office and um, that you have this way of talking to people that might not initially um, agree with you or you don't necessarily kind of at first glance um, think the same way about issues or whatever, but you have this way of connecting and I was like, I have to talk to her because that (laughs) is singing my song. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, your your campaign, why you why you're running for office, kind of just the intro of how did you find yourself running for state representative? Sure. Well, first of all, that's very flattering, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that characterization because I really do think that it's important that we connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, with all people, yeah, and be aware of our environment and the world that we live in, in a way that adds to it, yes. Instead of dividing, unifying, and bringing people together, yeah. And in, unless we take that kind of holistic view, we won't get to the root of the problems, the causes of the problems. You know, we need to be, uh, I say, problem finders, yeah, not yeah. just problem solvers. And for me, the problem. Finding that problem happened uh, after the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who was devastated about those results. Sure. And it wasn't just a matter of which side won and which side lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, were devastated by um, who ended up being the president, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, the threat that we feel it poses to our own values and what's important in our own lives. Mm-hmm. But The real problem there, and the problem that we would and will and do have the hardest time overcoming is the divisions. Mm -hmm. That's what's the most devastating, Mm -hmm. because it makes our future, frankly, bleak. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after that election, I put my head down for a little while. And, you know, I'll be honest, during that election, seeing people's views that were so contrary to what to where I believed we were as a country yes. and the people I was intimate with um, was hard for me to the point that I, I did get to the point of taking pride in deleting people from my Facebook, sure. yes. <laughs> you know, and I do think you need a certain amount of self-preservation and I certainly did then. Uh, so many of us lost relationships during that time. Yeah, um, My dad and I, in fact, uh, on inauguration day, oh, we we stopped speaking to each other mm-hmm. and it wasn't just politics yeah. that's the thing right now it's yes. not just politics it's personal in so many ways yeah um in our relationships but particularly in how the policies coming out of washington and lansing affect our daily lives yeah. um but running for office deciding to run for office was about grassroots organizing. Mm -hmm. It is about bringing people together and solving that larger problem, overcoming those divisions, because long term, we can't sustain this. And I do believe that we have more in common 
than we have different. Yes. Um, I'm proud to say that my dad and I have a relationship again. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it wasn't just politics. Yeah. You know, anywhere relationships are strained in the first place, having these political ideologies that are so personal, I think a lot of people reach the breaking point. Yeah. But when I decided to run for office, I, uh, I wanted him to be a part of this. You yeah. know, and I've been talking about common ground for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to run on that platform, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. It's not always easy. Yeah. You know, I've got long standing relationships with people now who uh, were forged on the knowledge that our views are completely opposite. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes. Like it started there. Yes. Yeah. That's where yeah. it started. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's not so nice. Yeah. You know, sometimes. I I do say more than I mean to say. Yeah. And and I I don't want to say I'm ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. But I'm in touch with the reality of my own human. You know, I, I'm human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not infallible. Yeah. And it it wears on me sometimes the way it wears on everybody else. Yeah. But we have to do it. Yeah. We have to keep doing it, no matter how hard it is sometimes. It is easier to do something about it than live with the consequences of doing nothing. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the only time that we will do something, almost. You know, something hard is when it becomes too hard to yeah. not do something. Yeah. So that's um, that's incredible. So um, tell me a little bit more about why this is such a... It seemed like from your website that this is a really personal um, campaign. So it started in a really personal way, like the, um, the healthcare stuff that I read a lot about on your website. So talk a little bit about like what makes this such a personal journey for you. Well, uh, when I was in my mid twenties, I experienced an episode that presented like a stroke. Okay. I had just started a new business. Mm -hmm. I came up with the product that just took off overnight. Okay. And, uh, it was it was a good time of growth mm-hmm. for my life, mm-hmm. and I, I felt like I was going someplace and mm-hmm. had a lot to offer the world, and then and then this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was celebrating with my family, and I raised a glass, and I couldn't see it. Oh my gosh! I, it was terrifying. That's so scary. And the tingling started in my fingers. Numbness crept up my arm. Oh my gosh! Half my face. I couldn't find words. Uh, completely disoriented. So, of course, we rushed to the emergency room. And you're how old at this point? I was in my 20s. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a series of tests, f- several weeks later, they determined that it was, in fact, a migraine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a very complex and debilitating kind of migraine. And over the years, they became more and more frequent and uh, as intense as they could possibly be. Mm-hmm. I mean times and it's hard for me to talk about it Mm -hmm. because I'm scared of going back yeah sure but when you find yourself in such pain yeah that you're literally rolling on the floor pulling your hair out yeah you um you test you test your existence in a way that um, pushes you to connect more deeply with the world and find your purpose and take it further and do more because you have an obligation to yourself. Yeah. 
And some of that is selfish, I think. You know, it's in my own self-interest to do this. So um, they became more and more, and eventually they were chronic and then daily. Mm-hmm. I lived like that every day. Oh, my gosh. For three years. And uh, that's worse than dying. Oh, for sure. So anyway, um, yeah. the Affordable Care Act finally happened. I had health care before that, health insurance, but it was horribly expensive, like most people's are. And it didn't meet my needs. Mm-hmm. You know, migraines are really complex. You can't just go to a regular doctor. And oh most gosh, neurologists no. can't help you with very complex migraines either. But with the Affordable Care Act, I got better doctors. I went to specialists, and we found treatment for my migraines. Mm-hmm. And I got my life back. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. So in 2015, we found a solution. And then in 2016, Donald Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. You know, those promises of taking away my health care, more than I could bear. Yeah. Then in 2017, our representative, Justin Amash, voted against my health care. Mm-hmm. And that is personal. Mm-hmm. The first rally that uh, I organized with some very good friends mm-hmm. was, a, was in response to his vote. Mm-hmm. And it was on a bridge for an important reason. Mm-hmm. Because this is something we need to come together on yeah. and bridge this divide. But standing on that bridge, I said, hoping that it would get back to him, that I would like to find common ground with Justin Amash. Yeah. And that I need him to look me in the eye and tell me that my life actually matters to him. Yeah. And I didn't feel that way. Yeah. So in 2018... I decided to run for office. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we need to do everything that we can to stand up for the people in our community who deal with this. And I'm lucky, I'm fortunate that I found treatment for my issues and I have good health care now. But it's it's getting worse Mm -hmm. and not better. Mm -hmm. And there are too many people who still struggle, Mm -hmm. still have lives that are not worth living. Mm -hmm. And we need to get them back into society and help them to have an opportunity to reach their potential again. Because this isn't right. I mean, what is is a representative? What is their job? And before that healthcare vote at the town hall, just before that, I spoke with Representative Amash afterward, and I said, protect us. Mm-hmm. Protect us. I said it three times, and he nodded and said, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I will. Mm-hmm. But he, he lied. Yeah. He, he didn't protect us. Mm-hmm. Who did he protect? Because government works for somebody. It's just not us. Yeah. So... I'm out here trying to do something about that because I believe that this is absolutely the most human issue. This is the most unifying issue because it affects all of us in every possible way. Yeah. And, yeah, in my kind of naivete, you would think that this is such a cut-and-dry thing. Like, everyone has a right to health care. I mean, come... Anyway, this is why I'm not running for office, and you are, because I'm just like, come on, it's no. healthcare. Of course, we want everyone to be healthy because they can do things like run for office. They can do things like, you know, do all the wonderful things in the world that they're meant to do if they're healthy. 
And if you're not healthy, like you said, you have nothing. Your world gets teeny tiny. That's You're not connected to anything. You're not flourishing in any way. And therefore, the community suffers because we're missing out on the people that are experiencing these illnesses. It just completely boggles my, my mind. But you have probably met people along the way um, in all of these travels now, and you're speaking and door-to-door and all of those things. Um, that have lived similar stories to yours. Do you remember any that like stick with you that, um, you know, people that you have looked in their eyes and said, I'm going to do everything I can to help you? The hardest for me was an older woman in Lowell. She told me her age and she was proud of it. I think she was 89. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I bring a whiteboard along with me when I canvas uh-huh. and give people an opportunity to think through this question of what are the issues that actually affect your life. And Mm -hmm. that's critical. Yeah. What's actually affecting you because how you vote and, and the amount of involvement and action, Mm -hmm. you know, we got to be proactive with, with uh, the policy and the effect of government and our political efficacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is life changing. So, helping people to take that opportunity to think through that critical question. Uh, we ask them as they're speaking, we latch on to something important that they say mm-hmm. and ask them to write that on our board. Mm-hmm. And she wrote down, had me write. She's 89 years old mm-hmm. on social security mm-hmm. from her husband and what little he had to leave her. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And she said, he's still taking care of me mm-hmm. from the grave. And I hear that from older women quite a bit. They're sure. so thankful for what little they do have and feel that their spouse is still doing what they can to take care of That's heartbreaking to hear yeah. because these people are struggling. Yeah. She said that that amount that she receives for her health care is not enough to cover her prescription drugs. Sure. It's so little, in fact, that she has to cut her breathing treatments in half. And she said she hopes that her prayers will make up the difference. Oh. Hopes that her prayers will make up the difference. Oh. Oh, That's it's unco- we it, it does. It's unconscionable. Yeah. And looking into that woman's eyes and holding her hands, we we sat and we cried together. Yeah. Because I know what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. I have a prescription that. Um, that takes care of my very worst migraines. Mm-hmm. You know, the rolling on the floor, pulling your hair out migraines. Yep. It's a, just a nasal spray, and I get eight doses a month. Mm-hmm. And when I switched healthcare last year, that was critical that it covered this drug in particular. Mm-hmm. And I was assured that it would. Uh, my agent took a few days to check. And as it turned out, when I went to fill it in January, it was not covered because the company had raised the price to $4,500 a month. That's for eight doses. Yeah. $4,500 a month. I mean, you do the math and that price per dose is astronomical. Mm -hmm. In Canada, Mm -hmm. it's $17. Sure. Oh, my gosh. We can do better than this. Mm-hmm. This this is a basic need. There's no reason we have to do it this way. And I think it speaks to the value mm-hmm. of people in this society. Mm-hmm. We value the top 1% mm-hmm. far more than we value everybody else. I'm not willing to live in a caste system. Right. 
You know, yeah. this is not the dark ages. We have access to the best medical care and the best, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the progress we're making in, in medicine in this country is in, incredible. Mm-hmm. But we don't have access to it. Yeah. It's beyond a disservice. Mm-hmm. That's a travesty mm-hmm. and a betrayal, frankly, mm-hmm. of the greatest kind. Yeah. Yes. I do find that that issue is the most unifying. Yeah. Because it literally affects everyone. So yeah. they at least have that kind of inroad to knowing what it feels like to receive or not receive health care. I would, I would think that, right. that, you know, that's more accessible than some of the other super divisive issues. Yeah, and it's, it's far-reaching, too. Mm-hmm. I think as Democrats, we tend to take that social justice view, and uh, I, know, I know we get made fun of for being emotionally driven, mm-hmm. but we are in touch with how it affects people's real lives. Mm-hmm. But it is something that dramatically appeals, if we, if we talk about it this way, to Republicans as well, because this is absolutely an economic issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because if people are not healthy enough to work, mm-hmm. then they drop out of society, mm-hmm. and who pays for them then? Mm-hmm. It's a common refrain that people shouldn't get things for free. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay for somebody else's health care. They should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and they're on disability and they shouldn't be. I see him working in the yard. I know he can work. Mm-hmm. But it's more complicated than that. That's for sure. I do believe that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that people in our society can thrive, mm-hmm. take care of them on the front end, give them resources, Give them bootstraps to pull themselves up by. Help people help themselves because you are going to pay for it anyway. If we want to talk about a safety net, I think right now a lot of what we have and people are frustrated with is it is a net that people get caught in. Yeah, for sure. People don't want to be caught there and they don't get enough money to survive Mm -hmm. on on welfare or or any of these social programs. It's not enough mm-hmm. on disability. I have a friend with Crohn's disease mm-hmm. that gets $700 a month. And yeah. she's, uh, she still has to pay some of that for her, for her medical care. Mm-hmm. She cannot survive on $700 a month. Yeah. So, uh, but, but really, we end up with people who get, who work harder and try to get out of that system, but get just far enough ahead mm-hmm. that they don't get assistance anymore. Yeah. And it's a better financial decision for them to stop working as hard and go back on assistance. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. working poor, that's a situation we need to address Mm -hmm. and make sure that instead of a safety net where people get trapped Mm -hmm. in the net, they get a trampoline. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give give resources when people are down. And that Mm -hmm. goes to education as well. Yeah. Instead of incentivizing schools to do better, by only giving funding to the schools that do well, mm-hmm. we need to be bolstering and supporting the schools that are struggling mm-hmm. instead of this survival of the fittest mentality mm-hmm. where we allow schools and students to go down with the ship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not right. Mm-hmm. And I think as a taxpayer, mm-hmm. I deserve better than that, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have kids, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, before I was even running for office, I was reaching out to the school board uh, where, where I live, and asking how I could be more involved. Because mm-hmm. these kids shape our future, mm-hmm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, I was at a forum with March for Our Lives kids. Mm-hmm. They organized it themselves. Mm-hmm. They got five candidates there. They invited ten, but none of the Republicans showed up. Not a <sighs> single one. I did email and say, can I bring my chicken to sit in Thomas Albert's seat? <laughs> but I didn't bring him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, there is progress on that issue, or there will be, yeah. because they are active. Yes. They are pushing this conversation, mm-hmm. and they're empowering themselves. Mm-hmm. I know people like to say they're pawns and they're being taken mm-hmm. advantage of, but they're leading. Mm-hmm. They're turning this ship, just mm-hmm. like, you know, during the Vietnam War. Uh, my husband lived through that mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, went through... Uh, draft counseling and all of that and knew how it worked but no but until the younger people got involved and showed the humanity of the issue Mm -hmm. and how it really affected them until the parents saw that Mm -hmm. then the parents and the adults the policymakers Mm -hmm. wouldn't move they weren't moving on it yeah yeah. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing today. Yeah. I'm really proud of our youth and oh proud to have the opportunity to follow their lead. Yeah. Yeah, because you get to the point, not that like either one of us are that old, but you get to the point where um, like I just get stuck, I think, in my frustration or my anger with issues or and they aren't stuck yet so we should we should be looking at the youth who are passionate and haven't been kind of mired down in all of the experiences whatever of course they're passionate they yeah they're absolutely leading the way I love that and their lives and our lives depend on it yeah for sure yes um so we've talked about a lot of things that you are clearly passionate about and you've lived and been through and learned a lot about so, um, but I mentioned early on that you have a superpower of somehow connecting to people that may not initially um, agree with you or seemingly don't. Um, talk to me about how you do that. I'm just fascinated. I was mentioning before we started recording because I, I just don't think I have this capability. I just get too emotional and I think a lot of my friends do and we just, that, um, that shuts us down versus propelling us to kind of reach over and be like, hey, let's talk about that. I just, I don't know if I can. So I'm fascinated to hear how you do that and and keep going. You do. You can. Okay. You do have that ability. It's good ability. to hear. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you absolutely do. And I think as somebody who, um, it, it seems like the, social justice and these human issues are very important to you and obviously you connect with people on a deeper level yeah that's what this is about yeah this is about going deeper Mm -hmm. no matter what the topic is you can find a shared value somewhere Mm -hmm. Um, some of the most divisive topics Mm -hmm. i think are the most important that we talk about Mm -hmm. i know that people running for for office uh in districts like mine where it is very red Mm -hmm take the safe route and don't talk about things like abortion or guns Mm -hmm. because that's a divisive issue. There are plenty of single issue voters and if you turn them off on those then well you lose right? Uh, I think those are critical. Mm -hmm. In fact 
I recently, a man called me at 8 a.m. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I didn't answer the phone. Uh-huh. And then and then the phone rang again. And then I got a notification that there's a voicemail. Mm-hmm. And when I checked it, I heard, I live in rural Ada. He introduced himself, of course. Mm-hmm. I live in rural Ada, and I got your lit in my door. And I just want to tell you, I won't be voting for you because you have the Planned Parenthood endorsement. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated his call mm-hmm. because it gave me an opportunity to call him back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did call him back and I, I thanked him for starting the conversation mm-hmm. because that's so important. Mm-hmm. We talked for probably an hour. Wow. Y- yeah. I think wow is right. Yeah. I think wow is right because people surprise themselves yeah. at how they can participate in an elevated conversation that we can do this and it all depends I think on how you start the conversation sure what are you bringing to the conversation Mm -hmm. and I lead by saying I think we need to find common ground Mm -hmm. and work together Mm -hmm. and raising the bar Mm -hmm. recognizing people's capability Mm -hmm. to meet me at that level Mm -hmm. and we talk about taking the high road all the time but it's not just about us taking the high road mm-hmm. over somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about raising the road for all of us. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So we talked about abortion. Uh-huh. And one thing, led, one issue led to another issue, to another issue, to another issue. But when you talk about abortion, mm-hmm. pro-choice versus pro-life, you know, leave those, leave those labels behind. Mm-hmm. Just leave those behind. Mm-hmm. Go deeper to the goal. Mm-hmm. Get to the point right away. And the point is, we all want there to be fewer unnecessary abortions. For sure. Everybody agrees with that. Yes. And when you frame it that way, yeah. goal-oriented, then you're working together. Mm-hmm. Then the conversation instantly goes to solutions. Mm-hmm. And for us, it went to the obvious point for me that being pro-choice means giving women and families every other choice before you get to that ultimate choice yeah Yeah. because that's a devastating position to be in Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think for people who um don't take the same stance Mm -hmm. on women's rights to choose it feels it feels more black and white than that Mm -hmm. and it feels like an us against them issue Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. so in our conversation Uh, We talked about resources. Mm -hmm. We talked about the cause. We talked about when abortion rates rise and fall, and it centers around poverty. Mm -hmm. It is a cycle. Mm -hmm. It's a vicious cycle because people can't afford to make the choices that the rest of us would make. Mm -hmm. They can't afford family planning. Mm -hmm. They can't afford to take care of their kids that they do have. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, of course like everything else, becomes an economic issue as well. Yeah. If yeah. we want people to be a part of our society mm-hmm. and functioning and contributing, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that people are, um, are, are fit, are taken care of. You know, it's not just about giving things away for free. Mm-hmm. It's about supporting our economy. Yeah. It's about supporting the lives of Americans as a whole. Yeah. And and that affects all of our bottom lines, not yeah. just the people who need the resources. Yeah. But I, I, I do like the phrase that a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. That's how it goes, right? Is yes. it all, all shit? Yes. It sounds fine to me. <laughs> but I like yes. it. <laughs> and more often you hear that on the other side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. 
But I don't think I don't think they recognize that uh, that applies on both sides and yeah. to every issue. Yeah, and to all boats. <laughs> to all boats. Right. All the boats. That's right. right. That's just and that's some just boats. boats. Yeah, and yes. some boats are smaller and more battered yes. and in rougher seas than others. Yeah, we need to recognize those. Get our little tugboat out there and right. pull them in. Yeah, yeah. I like the launching pad, or you didn't say launching pad. You said trampoline, but kind of that view too of like the social welfare system um, that I think um, Republican or right leaning people could also get on board that's what they want Mm -hmm. is for people to not get stuck in that net like you were talking about so i like that too we're all about the metaphor today yeah right (laughs) well and a lot of these things are in literal terms as well one of my toughest conversations it was two actually i had i had a really hard time in ionia one day Mm -hmm. um there was one guy uh, who, you know, sometimes you go to these doors, we target doors, and we think we know who we're going to be talking to, uh-huh. but this was not the person we thought. So <laughs> this, his, was this was not the person we thought. So <laughs> I found that out when I when I heard some of his views, and he actually was so opposed to doing anything for our healthcare system. And he, he said that if somebody doesn't have healthcare and they find themselves with a fatal disease like cancer Mm -hmm. it's their own fault because they were irresponsible and not getting health insurance wow you can imagine with my situation how hard that was to hear yeah and you know i i tried i tried every approach with him to help him to see how it would uh affect him and i did put that question to him what Mm -hmm. if that was you yeah as he was talking about his his goals and how much money he hopes to make by then and he can he can afford to get health insurance when he has that money. He didn't have health insurance when he said that. Oh, I said, my. what will happen to you if next time you're sick? Yeah. First of all, if you can even get yourself to the doctor. And then when you do, what if they say you've got cancer? Right. He said, that would be my own fault and I'd have to live with the consequences. Okay. Where do you go with that? Then a few conversations later, a woman I was talking to, she was... She was in her driveway, and she was with another woman, and I think her daughter was sitting in the driveway, Mm -hmm. just about to go to college that age. And she was talking, an issue that she thought really affected her life was, uh, she said, welfare moms Mm -hmm. and people who don't discipline their kids, and she's sick of paying for other people. And she she talked about undocumented immigrants, Mm -hmm. called them illegals, and said that uh, she shouldn't have to pay for them or their health care. She said, mm-hmm. they go to the emergency room and I have to pay for that. She said, if they come here illegally, mm-hmm. then they don't get they don't get our care. And she, she actually said they should sit out on the sidewalk and die. Sit out on the sidewalk and die? See, this is where your superpower comes in. Because I don't know how where you go from there. What happened? That was the hardest conversation I've ever had. Um what it came down to, because it led to other other people getting things for free too. The one the one that finally helped me to connect to the root of the issue was when she said, that, and this was hard too, that kids with disabilities get all the perks. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and that's that, a good line. And that they get they get to go to school and have extra things for free. Oh. And she doesn't think that's right. But what she was really saying mm-hmm. in all of that mm-hmm. is 
not that they shouldn't get things for free. Of course, that's how she felt. Not that they should have enough. Mm-hmm. But that she can't afford. She can't afford to carry anybody else because she is struggling. Yeah. Because she doesn't have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because her daughter sitting in the driveway didn't have as good a future as she would hope. Yeah. Because she can't afford college and the cost of education. Yeah. Not just that other people do have it. Yeah. As she thought better than because she thinks they have it better than she does. Yeah. And she's working really hard. Yeah, sure. And she yeah. feels that she deserves respect for that. Mm-hmm. And she does. Mm-hmm. And when we on this side of the aisle mm-hmm. listen to what she's saying or see the vitriol in the news or on Facebook and make our judgments mm-hmm. about people and take them at their word, take them literally for what they're saying, mm-hmm. we miss that point. Yeah. We look down our noses at them then, and we completely miss the humanity. Yeah. The fact is, they're struggling the same way we are. Yeah. And we're together on that. Yeah. And we need to reframe the conversation and get to that root, no matter how deep it is. And that one was way down there. After that conversation, I sat in my car, and uh, I I took a while to process that. Um, I actually made a video... Uh, while I was processing that, and it's on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's real. Mm -hmm. It's real, and it's hard. And these, this is the battleground. Mm -hmm. This is where we fight Mm -hmm. to stand up for the future of our communities and our countries. By not fighting with one another. Yeah. 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 I love that. And it's so true. You have to take it down to the individual level, I think. Um, because that's where you hear like the true pain and the true because she felt pain and she felt you know she probably has never felt taken care of or helped um and has been hardworking and struggling her whole life um so listening to that like you said the root of it um yeah it has to be the key and yeah. she wasn't an unfeeling person yeah. is the thing. She did. She was a really, she is a really hard worker. Mm-hmm. She works in direct care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think it, in, it was in a nursing home mm-hmm. actually. And she cares about the patients mm-hmm. there. She doesn't make enough money there. Sure. The wages are too low. Yeah. And uh, I think her friend there was a coworker or worked in a similar field. But they were talking about seniority mm-hmm. and how new hires new hires come in uh, for less, you know, they get paid less, but uh, they compete for those wages. Mm -hmm. And the people who've been there for a long time don't get more because Mm -hmm. they've been there. Sometimes it's better for them if they leave and go someplace else, Uh, you know? So there's a constant turnover. And the people who are receiving their care uh, obviously don't get as good care. And it doesn't matter how hard you work. When wages are low... You don't get enough to make ends meet. Yeah, yeah. I talk to people who are working two and three jobs and can't mm-hmm. make ends meet. Mm-hmm. I talked to, uh, it was twice actually in one day at the Women's Expo, there was a mother and a daughter that came in and the daughter had kids that weren't there. And the other woman I spoke to was just a mother and her daughter wasn't there. In both cases, mm-hmm. low wages and the cost of childcare mm-hmm. resulted in homelessness mm. for these daughters. Yeah. They couldn't afford to work yeah. because childcare and preschool is too expensive. Yeah. In one case, 
the grandmother took her daughter and grandkids in, Mm -hmm. but she was struggling herself. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. she was barely making ends meet. And the daughter went out and worked several jobs Mm -hmm. to keep all of them afloat. Mm -hmm. They were barely getting by. In the other case, that mother was too broke to take her her daughter and grandkids in. Yeah. They ended up on the streets. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Yeah. How... How do we let that happen? Yeah. How how do we not recognize that? Mm-hmm. How do we say that it's your fault for being on Medicaid mm-hmm. because you don't work? It's not that simple. Yeah. It's right. not that simple. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's another root of the problem issue. Uh, we need to invest in early childhood education mm-hmm. for many reasons, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go to houses in the middle of the day and it's uh, a woman at home with her kids, mm-hmm. almost every time what they write on my whiteboard mm-hmm. is that they can't afford to work yeah, because of the cost of child care. Sure. And men, yeah. too. Men, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, was, I was at a house where the man came out and said that they're a single-income family because they've got three kids and she can't. They can't afford the child care. It's cheaper for her to stay home and not bring in an income. Yeah. And what about single parents? Yeah, right. And then what does that do to their children's future? Mm -hmm. Kids do better in school and better in life if their parents are involved in their education. Mm -hmm. But if you're working two and three jobs for, you know, $9 an hour, Mm -hmm. you don't have time to be involved in their education. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to drive them to a better school than the one that's in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to invest in your own child. Yeah. If we want things to get better, we need to support women. Mm -hmm. We need to support families. And one of the best ways we can do that is to work on universal Mm pre-K. And I think we need to start at three years old. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody would have to go, mm-hmm. but that option should be available to everyone. Yeah. Because that gives the women or parents an opportunity to go out there and earn the money they need to support their families. Mm-hmm. So it affects how much we're spending on people, you know, in that net. Mm-hmm. And uh, it affects their ability to pay for their own, you know, their, their own families. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't mm-hmm. want to give things away for free, as as people say. Mm-hmm. We need to give people the resources to make sure they can earn enough on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. <laughs> My question, another question I have is, you decided to do this work, which I can imagine is super rewarding, but also really, really hard. Um, and I would think that a lot of people want to, um, have been motivated to get more active in either politically or other kind of issue activism. But I see people kind of get into that and then burn out or fizzle out because it's just so kind of draining and hard. What what do you have in place that's like self-care for you that keeps you going? What kind of fuels your energy, your fire? What keeps you getting out there? Chickens. Chickens. <laughs> no. I was hoping we'd talk about you, that at some okay. point. <laughs> Lauren has chickens. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that it's a it's a connection to something grounding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I said chickens and it's funny, but it, but it is true. Yeah. You know, uh, I go out there and I watch the simple lives and the simple yeah. satisfaction they have just in being mm-hmm. and existing yes. and having their basic needs met and that's all yeah and it helps to put it into perspective for me Mm -hmm. and i can take out take with me 
the kind of connection that we have with um, with animals, mm-hmm. and the kind of um, more emotive communication mm-hmm. that you have with like your dog or mm-hmm. me with my silly little chickens, mm-hmm. and uh, apply that to our interactions with people. Yeah, I think that a lot of times our language gets in the way of real connection. Yeah. And we all have those moments where, um, you know, you pick up the phone and the person you're calling is actually calling you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like something travels over the airwaves and lets them know. Yeah. Or you have a dream about somebody and Mm -hmm. then something happens the next day. Mm -hmm. That's not, I don't think, a coincidence. I think that uh, the way we communicate with people has left that kind of connection in the dust. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, when I had really bad migraines, mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever I was able to leave the house, mm-hmm. it was so momentous that I'd take a picture of my hands on the steering wheel, you know, sure. and post it yes. on Facebook. But my interactions with people were different when yeah. I got out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go to Meyer in the middle of the night because that's when I happened to feel good. Mm-hmm. And the people who worked there would come up and not just, can I help you? But it was it was like an animal magnetism. Yeah where the openness and the need for connection drew us together mm-hmm. and meaningful conversations mm-hmm. and connections and soul lifting you know soul lifting yeah. interactions yeah happen naturally yeah we can all do that mm-hmm. but we have to let go of ourselves yeah you know you have to get into the frame of mind where there's no mind Mm -hmm. and no self Mm -hmm. and no ulterior motives and no stresses of the day weighing on that moment of Mm -hmm. your life yeah you have to be there and be open for people to meet you on common ground yeah yeah and that i think a lot of the conversations at least i i'll just speak for myself that you wait to get validated by the other person in the conversation that may never come so you have to enter in not not wanting or needing that because that just might not happen it's got to be some other purpose than like a high five at the end because it right. might not be that that tied up in a bow at the end of every interaction so right. have we heard like of codependency that. right right and <laughs> yes. that's what it is yeah it's yeah, not yeah. if this then that yeah it's just this mm-hmm. is just this moment. Mm-hmm. Here is my goal in life mm-hmm. to find the place where I can do the most good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean trying to do some good with people and if they don't participate, saying screw you. Yeah. It means here's what I have to offer. Yeah. And you're welcome to take it. Yeah. Because I believe this is the right thing to do. Yeah. That's it. Love it. That's your end. Mm-hmm. You take care of you. Yeah. Um, okay, so a few questions that I ask at the end. I will. Um, one of them is, so if someone only got your your list of roles or titles, so candidate and wife and you know whatever other things are on that list, what would they? What do they miss? What's kind of in between those titles? So what you would get on my list mm-hmm. is candidate yes and that's only within the last six months Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the other things i'm a i am a wife and and i really do need to in addition to my chickens and Mm -hmm. and certainly above them um my security and peace of mind and spiritual renewal comes from my husband oh 
you know. That's lovely. Yes. How long have you been married? Uh, 12 years. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it makes me even a little emotional. Yeah. To recognize the reality of Mm -hmm. how much he has pulled me through. Yeah. I hope that someday I will achieve that for him. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um... I'm very grateful. Yes. Obviously. So, yeah. Um, candidate, wife, entrepreneur. I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. But those are all human doing. Mm-hmm. Not human being. Uh-huh. Um, people would add migraines to the list, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of labels. Mm-hmm. Other things that people don't know about me, there are more labels. Um I have ADD. Mm-hmm. People like to label people that uh, have something like that. Uh, anyone who's gone through any mental health mm-hmm. situation, they get labeled too. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had depression. Mm-hmm. Most people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality of my life experience that you don't write down on a piece of paper and accolades yeah. are some of my strongest accomplishments. Yeah. You know, getting through the tough times yeah. makes me who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm somebody who, I mean, we've been talking about this the whole time. I I connect. Mm-hmm. And I, I care. Yeah. But life is hard. Yeah. And we need each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what you see in between the lines. Yeah. You see struggle and triumph and you keep trying, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, just, just keep going. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's something that applies to what other people can do to get involved, yeah. to, to make a difference, mm-hmm. to, to help make change in all of the areas in their lives where policies and the political situation are affecting them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I could get through what I see on the news every day if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. Tr- truly. Uh, the best thing you can do for self-care mm-hmm. is to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And you do that by the the best way to change that, to change the political scenario and how it affects your life, is to get different people elected. Mm-hmm. Don't just be a person who votes or votes for one party. Mm-hmm. Be someone who gets them elected. Yeah. Because I'm one person. I'm just the candidate. Mm-hmm. I can't do it by myself. Yeah. When we go to doors and have these real conversations, mm-hmm. oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And my favorite conversations are with the people who do think, who do believe that they're the opposite of me. Mm-hmm. The ones who say, I'm a Republican and I'm a Trump supporter and want to shut the door. Mm-hmm. I put my foot in the door. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you do. Well, and I don't yes. expect that of all the canvassers, yes. of course. You know, there could be guns involved or who knows. But... Um, I put my foot in the door and I say, wait, mm-hmm. I want to know where you're coming from yeah. because I do think we have more in common. I do mm-hmm. think we can find common ground and work together. Yeah. There's one guy who, who I said that to and he said, that'll never happen. Yeah. That'll never happen. These conversations that you think will save us, they, that will never happen. Mm-hmm. And he says, you look at politics, you look at history, it's never happened, it never will happen. We talked for maybe 15 minutes at his door 
And by the end, he said, you know what? We need to have more conversations like these. (laughs) And maybe that'll do it. (laughs) Interesting. People surprise themselves. Yeah. Um, I went to one door and the guy led with, he he was a libertarian. Mm -hmm. By the end, what he had written on my board, I've always been, I don't know if he had always, because I don't think it's always existed, but considered himself a libertarian. Uh Uh-huh. He said he's been thinking about it and doesn't think our society will last. Yeah. He said what we need, and he phrased it like this, is European-style socialism. Okay. And that's a dramatic, dramatic shift in the course of one conversation. Yeah. But people are thinking about these things. Yeah. And you give someone an opportunity to think a little harder Mm -hmm. and put it into words commit it to writing, Mm -hmm. and then commit their vote. Mm -hmm. That's what we can do to win these elections. Mm -hmm. But these are involved conversations, and they take time. And I don't have time to hit enough doors and have these conversations. So I need more people to come out and join me. Mm -hmm. It's it's not as hard as you think. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to step out of your comfort zone, that first step. It's hard to take another step when your first or second experience isn't as easy as you think. Yeah. But it's not hard to keep going mm-hmm. once you're there. Mm-hmm. There's a, a satisfaction and a pride in the success of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you see that you've made a huge difference. You made a huge difference by knocking on that door. Yeah. And the people who tell you that they have to split their breathing treatments in half Mm -hmm. because they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and hold their hand and tell them you're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. That's as rewarding as you can get. Yeah. So, um, if I could leave your listeners with anything, it's reach out to me. Yeah. Help me win this. Yeah. Because every person I talk to gives me hope. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of them commit their vote. Mm-hmm. And the ones that don't, almost all say they're leaning that way. Mm-hmm. I know that if we reach enough people, we will win this. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have enough help and yeah. enough people doing this with me, we definitely will not. Yeah. So I, I implore people to get involved yeah. because it is in their best interest. And it's not nothing will change without you. Mm-hmm. Nothing will change without you. And it does make you feel like you are a part of something when the world feels like it's burning down. It, <laughs> the only way, like you said, to feel like you're gonna, you're, you can put one foot in front of the other is to get involved in something that you believe in. Link your, link yourself to a movement or a person or a campaign or whatever to something you believe in. Because I, I know that that's um, gives people hope mm-hmm. for sure. And I'll tell you how simple it is. It's Mm -hmm. very simple. We have just a few lines that we ask people to to say as Mm -hmm. part of this conversation. We need to find common ground and work together. Mm -hmm. Politicians aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. So we're doing things differently. Mm -hmm. What are the issues that actually affect your life? And then we listen. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. People tell us usually pretty much the same thing. The top issue is health care. About three out of four people say health care. Interesting. Yeah. Next, it's education uh-huh. and especially the cost. Yeah. And then it's generally jobs and wages, not making enough to afford a quality of life mm-hmm. that people 
know that they deserve. Yeah. And of course, fix the roads, but that's really, frankly, in the scheme of things, not a big deal to people who are struggling with all of those other three. Yeah, absolutely. That we can do. Yeah. We can do something about this. Mm -hmm. So get out there. Mm -hmm. Find common ground and work together. Do things differently. Have solution-based conversations. Mm -hmm. And listen. Mm -hmm. Love it. I will link to all your things, all your pages and ways people can get a hold of you so that if this resonates with people, and I know it will, um, they can connect to you. Thank you. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. Um, so thank you for doing this. I think our, like I said at the beginning, our, our mission and our way of thinking kind of lines up, and I love that. The connection is where the magic happens. Where I, That's what I always say. So you're going to come canvassing? Um, sure, yes. <laughs> oh, that makes me so itchy, but it shouldn't. We've, we've stopped calling it canvassing. We're calling okay. it listening. Okay, that's better. And you're good yes. at that, obviously. Yeah. All right, so yes. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon. Okay. I mean, yeah, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much Thank for allowing you. me to be here. Absolutely. I am not kidding you guys. Lauren is one of my she's running for office which just absolutely knocks my socks off because the road to public office is paved with incredibly hard work and tenacity and vulnerability and tireless movement so not only is she doing all of that hard work but did you listen to some of those challenging interactions she described where i would have certainly given up lauren found a way to create common ground. And that is truly what we all should be doing. Lauren shows it is possible to have values and boundaries and bottom lines, but also have dialogue and compassion. Lauren knows the same thing that lots of wise people know, which is that hatred and misunderstanding and division cannot survive proximity. They just can't. When we look into the eyes of an elderly woman who has to make decisions about her medication every month, or we sit right next to an African-American family who has lost their loved one due to police violence, or we hear a child cry who's been taken from their mother at the border, or we listen to a woman in her driveway who's been through so much that she projects her own losses onto other marginalized communities, we can't help but be changed by those experiences. We can't help but be changed. I'm really grateful to the Laurens of the world for putting themselves out there, for sticking their foot in the door, for returning phone calls to people who say they'll never vote for them. Let's do what we can to learn from Lauren and put ourselves out there too. We need proximity so desperately. It is truly how we're going to survive. So what am I going to do? Well, number one, I'm going to vote. Please vote. Your vote does matter now more than ever. So please vote. And number two, I'm going to continue to take the middle seat. I don't always do this perfectly. I often get nervous. I frequently say the wrong thing but I'm going to keep doing it. And I'll be back soon with another episode of Taking the Middle Seat.